Hey, welcome everybody. Welcome to a very special edition of the Loftus Party. Ola. I like to. I like. Yes, thank you. Wonderful. <laughs> Go ahead. This is crazy. Uh, this is uh, this is the podcast we started uh, a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the companion piece to the little television show that we do. Mm-hmm. You're probably all. Uh, wondering what's the television show? Uh, it's called The Flip Side. It is uh, in, in the one-line description. It's the Daily Show, but it leans to the right. So there you go. Um, and we can't because it's syndicated. It's always like big issue stuff, big issue stuff. This is where we do our news of the day. This is where we do the rip from the headlines. I'm Michael Loftus. Next to me is uh, Andrew Apple. Say hello, Andrew. Hello, Andrew. I just want to let you know, I'm not the funny one. He's the funny one. (laughs) That remains to be seen as well. So we're doing, this is uh, live, uh, recorded live at Politicon. Yes, indeed. And we did Politicon last year when Mm -hmm. it was at the LA Convention Center. Good times. Great times. What's your favorite memory? Um, You know what? It was food. No, That's good. No, no. Uh, Actually, we had some amazing interviews last year. Uh, My favorite part of last year? Yes. Was meeting uh, Alicia Krause. Hmm. Oh my gosh, she's going to be back on the show today. That's crazy. That's amazing. We got, you know who else we got? Who we got? We got John Favreau. That's a, uh, wow. These like big time guests. Absolutely. This guy uh, wrote uh, for a young man by the name of uh, Barack Obama. You might have heard of him. I, I think I have. Yeah, he's in a leadership position. We're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff. So you want to just, uh, shall we just dive right in? This is, this is crazy. There's, there's, how many rows would you say there are? 25 rows? Uh, yeah, that's nine it. people, twelve people. But you know what? Here's the thing: they can't see us. We could lie. Oh, it's sold out. <laughs> what? Oh, I was looking the wrong way. It's sold out. Standing room only. We'll add some echo in post, <laughs> so it sounds empty. <laughs> I'm having a blast. Okay, lots going on in the news. Yes, indeed. This week we got to cover that. Oh, uh, Politicon. You know who I met? Who'd you meet? I went, John Ratzenberger. Uh, I didn't even know. Him? I didn't even know he the was a political guy. The mailman from Cheers. The mailman from Cheers, and there's a story about him getting that job, uh, and I want to see if it's true. I don't know if anybody has ever heard the story. Cliff Clavin, uh, John Ratzenberger. He's the pig. Uh, isn't he the pig from Toy Story? He is the pig from, he, from Toy Story. He's been in every Pixar movie. He's like their good luck charm. He is. Evidently, he was reading for the part of uh, of Norm mm-hmm. on Cheers. Didn't get it. And yep. as he was leaving the audition, legend has it, he's like, uh, "Do you have a uh, bar know it all there?" Because uh, most bars in Boston, they got a kind of know-it-all guy. And they're like, oh, that didn't occur. Got himself on the show. You see, that's ingenuity. That's what we love It about might America. be apocryphal. How so? Uh, it, it, it just might be something that somebody made up. Oh, okay. Because I heard that Danny DeVito got his job on Taxi by jumping up on the desk and saying, who wrote this crap? You know, and they're like, oh, he's the character. We should hire him. I've tried that in a couple auditions. Mm-hmm. Didn't work as well. Well, you know why? Both those shows... Executive produced by James Burroughs. Did you do it for James Burroughs? I did not do it for James Burroughs. Well, there you go. Okay, there you go. All right, well, let's, let's, let's uh, bring our first guest. We've never had a guest on the show ever. No. This is breaking new territory. Huge. It's very huge. Um, let's, let's, let's bring up John. John Favreau, come on up here. Look at that. Standing ovation. A standing ovation for John Favreau. He's coming in. I'm here. Uh, he's I- here. So you, this I walk all, all the way from the back because there are all these people. <laughs> I know. It's like it's I like uh, it up here. it's like the Oscars, you know. <laughs> like you know you're gonna win when they put you in the front row and when hey, you're in the back. Great Cliff Clavin Boston accent there. 
Thank you so much. I approve. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're from Boston. Yeah, north of Boston. I mean, I'm, yeah. North of I Boston. Do you ever hang out with uh, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck? Those All the guys? time. We're pals. <laughs> right. Like, you see each other. There's a couple of us in Massachusetts, and we hang. <laughs> I saw Matt Damon. He did, like, a commencement speech the other day, and, uh, and it, was, it just cracked me up. He's like a great philosopher. Uh, uh, Sir Ben Affleck once said, and it just cracked me up that he did that. <laughs> a great philosopher, Ben Affleck. All right, so John, uh, a little bit about yourself. Yes. You, you, how, how did you start writing for the uh, uh, Obama administration? How do you uh, apply for that job? Right. So um, I went to college at the College of the Holy Cross in Worcester, Massachusetts. Worcester. Worcester. Um, and uh, I interned for John Kerry. And uh, it was right when John Kerry was running for president or planning his presidential campaign. Gotcha. So I was an intern on the Kerry campaign. I then became an assistant, press assistant on the Kerry campaign. I then became a deputy speechwriter on the Kerry campaign. Wow. He was losing to Howard Dean in the primary, and they couldn't afford to hire a real deputy speechwriter because <laughs> they thought that was going to be the end of the Kerry campaign. So they, uh, they just promoted me. And then, um, and then after Kerry lost, um, my boss during the Kerry campaign, Robert Gibbs, was now with Obama, yeah. and Obama won the Senate seat, and Gibbs said, you know, he needs a speechwriter. He's never had one before. He always wrote his own stuff, but now he's not going to have time to do that, and I keep telling him he needs someone, even though he's fighting me on it, so why don't you, uh, why don't you come meet with us? It'll be his first week in the Senate. You can have breakfast and see if you guys, if you guys fit. That had to be in a pretty good gig. It was a great gig. Because I will say this uh, about, about Obama. Uh, that guy gives a mean speech. He gives a mean like, speech. Like, teleprompter, no teleprompter. Like, I didn't vote for the guy. Right. But uh, when he's in Chicago, like, the, the, fir- the, the first time, like, and I'm watching, uh, and he's like, you know, yes, we can. And we're all Americans. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we can. Like, you slowly <laughs> get hypnotized. He's got an awesome cadence. He's got – so that yeah. had to have been a great gig. It was. And he's – look, he is a wonderful person to work for. I mean – like, he, in eight years of working for him, uh, never lost his patience, never yelled at me, never raised his voice. I learned a ton from him about writing. Really? Is, yeah, what I mean, was the best, like an what, apprenticeship with a person who's what was the best? Did he Did he have, like, notes? Like, when you give him a speech, does he, like, circle stuff and go, guy, come on, yeah. I can't. Well, look, he, he, before your speech, we would sit there and talk for, like, 20, 30 minutes about what he wanted to say. And then um, if it was like your day-to-day speech, I'd send him a speech, he'd make some edits, and that might be it. On the big speeches you've heard him give, almost inevitably every, every speech he would stay up till 2, 3, 4 in the morning and write out pages longhand, make wow. huge corrections. Yeah, he does. So he, a lot of those speeches were from him. You know, and it was just me helping him shape them and cut them down and edit and revise and add things here and there. Did you ever have something you wanted to cut? And he's just like, no, that's staying. Yeah, of course. What was it? I want to know when you fought with Barack Obama over an edit. Well, so I won't give a specific example, but it's, you know, the message communications press people, political people, always want stuff shorter and tighter and more messagey and the soundbite and all that. And Obama would always be pushing back on, like, no, let's make this argument a little longer. Let's delve into the policy here. Let's really make the argument as, as substantive as possible. So, you know, people call him professorial in, in the negative sense, but he, he very much wants to flesh out the argument and doesn't want – he never wants to really cut corners. Yeah. You know, even though it might be prettier in the speech to, uh, to hear it that way. Now, what's the deal with him and radical Islam? Loves it. Like, why – like <laughs> – <laughs> No, fan. but like, why did he, he – why did he wait so long? 
So, to say that, was it because the Republicans are like, he won't call it what it is. He I, won't call it no, what it I, is. I, oh, that's Adam Sandler, by the way. <laughs> Adam Sandler. Republican. I don't know why Obama won't call it what it is. So I remember during the 2008 campaign, um, there are speeches. You can go back and look. I think the convention speech in 08 had this, uh, where he called it radical Islam. Yeah. And I think what happened was... When he became president, he sat down with a bunch of national security advisors and military people and everyone else, all the people who know, you know, John Brennan, the CIA director, he believes this too. Um, They said, look, to the extent that we have Arab countries as allies with skin in the game, helping Mm -hmm. us fight al-Qaeda and now ISIS, um, they tell us that it is a lot better for them and easier for them to help us track down these killers if we don't paint this as a war or, or frame this as a war between the West and Islam. Yeah. And the more that we say radical Islam, even saying radical Islam, yeah. the more people hear... Because here's the thing. You start with radical Islam, and then when you listen to Trump now, he just basically says... I mean, he, sometimes he leaves out the radical part. Um, <laughs> and, and, and some people on the right do that. And I think to... So I, to Obama, this was more of like a... If this helps us, if this helps our actual battle on the ground yeah. by not saying this, so he wanted to be why a, do we need to say He it? wanted to be abundantly clear. Right, abundantly clear. But he, as, as he said the other day when he was uh, talking about Trump in that press conference when he was flanked by the Joint Chiefs, who very much appreciated this too, he's like, look, there's no time in the last eight years where me, anyone who works for me, or any of the people who are fighting on the ground are like, who are we fighting? What's, what's going on? I don't know what we're after here. You know, like, and the, but the other important thing is, there are many speeches he's given in interviews where he has talked about the problems within Islam, right? That there yeah. is a radical element well, in this that, happens. within the religion that, that Muslims need to talk about and here's, Muslims need to think about. Here's and, the big and, difference. And so he's, he's there. He's been there on that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But I think it is. It seems to me every 400 years, I watch the History Channel a lot, every 400 years, uh, somebody in the Middle East uh, rises up and just like changes the rules uh, for Islam. And they kind of just go on this, you know, right. like, follow me, follow me. Uh, and then they end up killing so many Muslims that it is the members of the Muslim community that go, all right, we got we to gotta yeah, cut I mean, look, this I- out. ISIS kills more Muslims than any other religion. Right? You know, and so, uh, and Al-Qaeda was the same way. Yeah. Um, is the same way. Um, but look, there's also, I mean, it, it's, you think about, a lot of people think about Islam, they think about the Middle East, but there's also countries like Indonesia, places in Africa, like all over the world, I mean, it's one of the world's very biggest religions. And so, you know, a lot of the problems we're seeing within Islam are not in those other places around the world. A lot of it's concentrated right in the Middle East. And yeah. so you have to be careful how you talk about it. So do you think uh, with the whole Brexit thing, yeah. switching to that, did Obama say something like, uh, like if, if, uh, if England leaves, your guys are going to go to the back of the back queue of the or something? You know what's funny is... Do you think that like, whoever wrote that is like, you didn't write that, did you? No, I did not write okay, that. Okay, cool. I it's like, that. that guy's fired. I mean, my thought on that was I... Pay fairly close attention to uh, everything Obama says. Still, even though I don't work there anymore, I follow the news very closely. I didn't know about the Q line until after this. So, if I didn't know about it, who pays that much close attention? I guarantee you, I would like to find one British voter who was like, you know what, I was going to vote Remain, but then fucking Barack Obama <laughs> got up there and started yelling about the Q. That's I'm out. A, that's how I really feel about politics. <laughs> like, r- like really, like uh, Donald Trump will go out and say something, or somebody they'll say something, and that's like the quote of the day. And it's like I really don't think like one little quote like, is going to change I somebody's think about mind. It from the other point of view, like, could you imagine after the November election asking someone why they voted for Trump, and they'll be like, 
well, you know, uh, David Cameron said something nasty, <laughs> and that did it for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna vote for him, uh, and then this foreign leader just just made fun yeah. of us, and that was it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I was gonna vote we stay, but then that Barack Obama fellow, he said I'd go to the back of the line. No thanks. I'm excited about Brexit. I'm totally excited. Ugh. I don't think their life is going to change at all. I really don't. You don't think so? I don't think anything's going to happen. I, well, they got to what? I, I, they gotta re- gonna be, Seriously, I, they got to what? Re- re- renegotiate a couple of deals? Oh, no. Now I'm going to play. Yeah. I've got to pay five pound more for a slab of brie. <laughs> My life is horrible. <laughs> like, what's going to happen? I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm not an expert on these things. But um, I do think it will take... I mean, there's the immediate financial panic that we're seeing right now. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. tough day in the markets. I t- you know <laughs> what? And somebody's going to make a fortune. Someone's right? going to, yeah, that's true. The prices are going to go that's down. True. Gonna, that's you know true. who's pissed? By now. You know who's mad? Scottish people. Because yeah. wasn't it like a couple, it seems like it was a couple of months ago, Scotland's like, no, no we'll stay. We're going to stay with Europe. And yeah. then England's like, well, hey, see you later. <laughs> I mean, talking about what would change, there could be, you know, a United Kingdom that's just England and Wales by the end of this mm-hmm. whole thing. Yeah. Um, so that, that's something. <laughs> well, it's weird. You know, let's not forget, before we start feeling sorry for them, yeah. they, they had a pretty good piece of the globe. At one yeah, point. Yeah, they did. They right? did. They, had a, they pretty, had a good run. They had a really good run. They had a pretty good run. They had that big globe and their <laughs> flags were everywhere and they were all smiling. Yeah, I don't think anything bad's going to happen out of Brexit. I hope not. So did you – this is a horrible question. You weren't fired or anything. I was not fired, you just, no. You just said, <laughs> I got tired. Uh, it's time for me to move on. Yeah, look, I was, I was there for – well, I worked for him for eight years um, and I was on the Kerry campaign before that. So since the day I graduated college – Ten years in a row, I was either in a campaign or in government with wow. no ability wow. to plan my life, plan a weekend, plan a vacation, do anything, yeah. uh, especially in the White House. And, um, you know, w- the Obama always says, oh, our White House is family friendly. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to have a family to be friendly to if, um, I, if I stay here as <laughs> just a single guy sitting around the White House all day writing speeches. So I, there was a point after the second, uh, after the reelect where I said, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm going to move on. There and, you I, go. and I had a deputy who was brilliant and could take over, and I didn't feel bad about leaving, and, and Cody's done a great job. That's fantastic. So where are you now, man? What so kind I'm, of wonderful I'm, things? I'm here in Los Angeles in West Hollywood. And how many John Favreau jokes do you get? Uh, just uh, every day. Really? I mean, I get great, like, hey, I get great you're the restaurant Iron Man reservations, guy. too. I bet you do. Yeah, and you, see the looks you, of, do. you see the looks of the people when I walk in the restaurant. It's not the other John Favreau. <laughs> they can't they And can't then they demand to see then. an ID. And then I just get the seat. It's perfect. <laughs> um, so, no, I'm, I'm, out, I'm out here now, and I, I, I clearly can't escape politics because I write a column for The Ringer, which is Bill Simmons' new venture, mm-hmm. and I have a podcast as well. What's the name of the podcast? Keeping It 1600. There you go. And uh, so me and Dan Pfeiffer, who is senior advisor in the White House, we, uh, we do what you guys do. We take on the news of the week every, every week. It's See, I always have to have you on now. I'd love to be this on. This would be great. I think that this is good for business uh, in the, if the business is uh, being an informed American. Yes, right. I do too. Like, like podcasts, uh, Twitter, Facebook, when they decide to tell the truth. Right? <laughs> right. That well, was, look, I, you, did you, were you a part? Did you watch that Facebook thing go down? I saw it like from afar. That yeah. was not cool, bro. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we don't know what happened. I don't know if you're There's tight with those guy guys. Doing, I'm messing with the algorithm, I guess. I don't know. I know, like not cool at all. <laughs> hey, did you work with that dude from House? Cal? Yeah. Yeah. Cal? Oh, okay. <laughs> Cal? Well, you like that dude from House? <laughs> I couldn't I remember his I name. That dude from Harold and Kumar. It, it, Harold yeah, and Kumar. Like, right. it, Kumar is the normal reference that people make. That's pretty sweet. I was very. He's, like, he's great. He was great on House, and then I guess he had to go into the producer's office and was like, "Hey, 
uh, I quit. I'm sorry, but I got to take a gig at the White House. Well, that's like the best. That's like the best two weeks' notice you yeah. can give. Well, like, I mean, who can be mad at you? Look, you get these celebrity surrogates, and uh, a lot of them, you know, it's very grateful because they take time out of their busy schedule and they come help you out. But um, you know, they have varying degrees of knowledge about politics and policy. Cal, Cal is by far like the most knowledgeable, most passionate celebrity surrogate that was out there for us. And, the, and he was knocking on doors in Iowa at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, which, you know, some of these people won't. They're just like, I'll show up at a big rally and that's it. So it was, Cal's a great guy. I don't want to beat the speech thing, but I, but I have to ask this. Sure. Was there anything, like any turn of phrase that Obama just couldn't do? That like he would be a tongue twister? Because I, I can remember, like, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a George Bush fan, right? Yeah. yeah. And like, whenever he gave a speech, you'd get this knot in your stomach. And you'd be like, okay, okay, you can do it, you can do it, sound them out, sound them out, you know? And then you'd have to say, he'd have to say, like, nuclear. And he'd be like, nuclear. And he'd be like, oh, who keeps putting that word in his speeches? He can't do that one. <laughs> Call it the big bomb, whatever. <laughs> but, like, was there anything that, like, you can't do this? This is like a triple axle no, for Barack? No, it's just, uh, pronunciations are always, uh, pronunciations of people's names are always tricky. And you can write out the pronunciation in the speech. Um, and like let him know ahead of time and still when you're in the moment you just you know was that the whole Afghanistan it. thing no that's his like, like that I killed me I'm like dude we get it Pakistan. you're a world traveler Pakistan <laughs> it's, it's like little... when you go with your white friends to a Mexican restaurant and they're like I'll have the burrito it's like dude you're not from there you don't you, uh, you can say Afghanistan he likes to show that he's very worldly yes that is, oh yeah I that's, think he oh, does that's my yeah believe me alright well dude it was so fantastic having you by Thanks well, for we're going to have to do fun. it again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anytime. So there was no turn of phrase that he couldn't do. It's just like regular. I don't regular. think so. We can tr- we can, he's got a couple months left. I can go, I can go test it out with the speechwriters. It's, it's, We've always wanted to just throw something out in the prompter without him knowing just to see if. That would uh, be great. <laughs> just that would be a good joke, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then it's Screw like yeah. some horrible. Like, stock market tumble. <laughs> that'd be fun. Just save it for a big speech, like you know, the State of the Union or right, something yeah. like just that. Yeah, a State of the Union speech and then like some tongue twister and then it's like John Favreau says hi. Like on the, te- on the teleprompter. Perfect. Hey, thanks so much, thanks man. Thanks for having me, guys. I will see you around. Absolutely. Fantastic. Give a round of applause. That's fantastic stuff. I feel smarter now. That was the big fear. That was the big fear. Uh, that Barack Obama, uh, there's, he's those te- he writes the speeches. He reads yeah. them well. He's fantastic. There's got to be There's got to be something. It's like he, he's got one skeleton in his closet. He, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I tell you what, the guy can give a speech. He can sing. We've said it before on this podcast. Yep. We'll have to drop in the sound later when oh, he's yeah. busted into Al Green. Mm-hmm. Let's stay together. I'm like, is there anything this guy can't do? We, we should have asked John. John, you're still here. Is there anything he can't do? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm refraining from doing a joke. <laughs> is there? <laughs> All right, we have we have another guest, and there's we we we. I want to talk to about Brexit uh, with this young lady. Okay. And we also, we got to talk about the Democratic sit-in. Yes, that was hysterical. <laughs> I had so much fun with that on Twitter. Uh, let, let's get Alicia up here. Uh, Alicia Krause, everybody. A very, I met, I met Alicia, come on down. Uh, last year here, you are on, uh, you're on Ben Shapiro. You, you have a show with Ben Shapiro on, it's the, the answer, the morning the answer? The morning answer with Brian. So there is a liberal on our show, Brian Whitman. Brian who? Brian Whitman. Okay. So he did, like, he worked with Rick Dees for years for mm-hmm. the L.A. listeners. Like, did I heard he wrote, um, uh, what was the Disco Duck song? Uh-huh. Is that? Yeah. 
yeah. And actually, real? Uh, Scott joking. Shannon, you know, of course, who is in the Radio Hall of Fame for creating like the morning zoo kind of style lineup on the yeah. FM, like music side. Scott Shannon actually wrote a couple of like one hit wonders in the 80s, too. Like his name is on there as writer. And I was producer. totally kidding around. No, like. But that's like, and I then, think um, Disco Duck made a lot well, and then of money. Something that people don't know, too, is. Um, Oh, who's the guy that died and then his ex-wife, his wife was crazy and she brought his body to the Indian reservation? Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem um, was the voice on, on Scooby-Doo. Yeah, like, he was shaggy. Yeah, like he was shaggy on Scooby-Doo and so many people like in my generation didn't know that. So I'm kind of a geek when it comes to love of radio. So that's, And my old boss, Sean Hannity, just got nominated for the Radio Hall of Fame. So that's right. I'm uh, for hoping the people, that he gets in. For the people listening at home, I always thought this was fantastic. You just, you like what, just drove to New York. You, in, you had a job <laughs> interning for Sean Hannity. Yeah. And he's like, you're good at this. You can do this. And then yeah. you hopped in your car and drove out west and got a job in radio. I think that's fantastic. Well, so I, um, yeah, I pr- produced the Sean Hannity radio show for seven years and I at the time when he hired me full-time I was the youngest producer in ABC radio history at 19 Woo-hoo. I dropped out of college to do it so I so excuse my bad grammar and then so I worked for Sean for seven years it was really cool got to experience a couple of conventions like election cycles the debates and all that like that behind the scenes type stuff then my husband and I took a sabbatical in Hawaii don't hate me um, <laughs> lived with my uncle out there on a Navy base for a little bit because he's a Navy SEAL and um, then I got a job a bucket list job to run a congressional campaign in my home district in Oklahoma. So I ran that, lost, got sad, got pregnant, then came out and did this. <laughs> That's, I tell you what, most people... So we, make... moved, we moved across country when I was like six months pregnant, like rented in an apartment, sight unseen. Uh, and wow. it was my first on-air gig because I'd been behind the scenes for so long, but the, it's such a small world. The guy that hired me as an intern for Sean Hannity's radio show back in you know, the fall of 04 is now the president of programming at Salem radio. And he's the one that had me come out and audition for the radio gig. Holy I have moly. How Sean Hannity as a person. Awesome. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. He's awesome. he, I, I, I watched like the my show. Dad. I watched the show yeah. on Fox. He talks about like, uh, the Krav Maga, the whatever, like fighting stuff he does. A yeah. He lot. just, you know, he didn't do that when I worked for him. He would, um, do the elliptical a lot. Um, that was his way of staying in shape, like when I was there. But it, yeah, his wife and I text, and she'll text me about like the updates but with the kids and what's stuff. The, what's the, the like the personal self defense stuff he's into now? I think it's like Krav Maga. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. talks about that a lot. Yeah. Like, like he's like giving a little message to like, like the hey haters out well, there. Like, he hey, also I'll take you out. Obviously, conceal and carry. You know, remember with he that. He talks newspaper? about that a lot. Well, too. he didn't used to. He was actually one of the people that was outed by that newspaper in New York. Remember when they found the list of all of the conceal and carry holders in the state and then they got ticked off and they were like, we should know who these people are because they might hurt us. And then wow. they released the list. And so that's how Rudy Giuliani, Donald Trump, Sean Hannity, and a few other people's names, including normal people like you and I, yeah. like they're, they were outed as being conceal and carry holders because of this newspaper. Let me ask you this. You might know. Is, is, is there is, – is the – wow, I just had a mini stroke. <laughs> the The – Oh, my Lord. It happened again. The NRA. Yes. The list of members. Is that public or is that private? I'm actually not sure because I'm not an NRA member. I'm a Second Amendment sister and a daughter of the American Revolution, but I'm not an NRA member. I heard somewhere, and this is horrible. We should look this up. Uh I like to do a podcast without any kind of fact checking. (laughs) Uh, that That the list was private. And then I keep wondering, well, where are all these stats coming from? Where they're like, hey, even 85% of NRA people say that 
Uh, yeah, I don't know where they, that, that unless you, as a pollster, because having worked with pollsters in the past, like on campaigns and doing consulting and stuff, like you can obviously as a pollster have a list of questions to identify who people are before, yeah. you know, they continue to, you know, answer who they're going to vote for. So maybe that's how they determine that. Yeah. And I, I always, I, I, don't, I don't know the how the list, I mean, as far as FEC regulations go, because I, I don't know how that would work if, if the list is able to be public or not, because I've worked at nonprofit groups in the past and. It's not like you really have membership. Yeah. You know what I mean? But for the NRA, it's as cheap as like 20 bucks to be a member. So I don't know if that they're allowed to did you watch the uh, Did you watch the Democratic sit-in? We talked about it on the radio show. Wasn't that this the funniest thing ever? My favorite, though, is how they um, ordered Chick-fil-A. Oh, it was great. Well, and, and, and here's what I, mean, I, I love me some Chick-fil-A. I love it when I get to be delicious. on CNN. I think, I think like, it's, yes, I will do Don Lemon show because then after I can go get myself a spicy chicken sandwich. It's, it's like right next to it's it. It's a complete and total disaster for the Republicans, I believe, because there's going to look like super villains. Yeah. Right. Because so when funny. they when they make the ads, it's going to be like, we're the Democrats. We tried to do something. And these Republicans stopped us. Like, why would they you want to? The Democrats are great. Like, I respect that about them. They're so much better at the narrative and the feelings of a, of a topic in a situation yeah. than Republicans are. Like, why would you even want to bring up that kind of thing for a vote, like, that soon after a tragedy? Like, like, is there a chance that we're all, well, like, upset? Like, we're all upset about this, so maybe we should take a step well, back. Well, on the Senate and- side, it was two Democrats, including California's own Feinstein, and then two Republicans that had amendments on legislation. Yeah. So it wasn't just the Republicans that were like, hey, we need to bring this up. I think the Republicans came up with their amendments, yeah. like, to counter the Democrats wanting to bring it up. And, right. and so it, what's it's laughable to me, and I guess you could debate, and I'm still kind of undecided on how I felt about government shutdown and everybody, but it was so funny to see the media be like, oh, obstruction. It, they're only doing it because Barack Obama's in the White House and, like, racism and all this stuff when, like, Ted Cruz and Rand Paul and those guys were, like, shutting down things and the lights were turned off. Nancy Pelosi turned off the lights and the air conditioning and everything else and, like, literally locked down, like, the House floor and the Senate, like, the House side. And, like, Paul Ryan's like, okay, we're going to adjourn while they're shouting. And then Paul Ryan's like, okay, I'm going back to Wisconsin. And then (laughs) then he, like, goes, and, like, nothing happens. And the media's like, oh, what are they doing? What is happening? I mean, they left for potty breaks. I mean, at least Wendy Davis. I don't like her and her political opinions. But at least the woman, like, put on sneakers and a catheter and, like, stayed in one spot, right? These guys were going out because they have red light syndrome. And they're, like, going out there and being like, oh, they had media breaks, bathroom breaks. They got Dunkin Donuts, Burger King and Chick-fil-A. Hello, sign me but up. Like, like I, I, the, the whole the whole frightening thing to me uh, about this is like people who want to like talk about legislation when you're so emotional. It's like yeah. it's a recipe for disaster. Well, and I love Louis Gohmert, but I mean, he got a little like crazy because like he he not crazy, but like he went down there and was yelling at them and like was like, hey guys, these aren't because of like gun laws. These are actual victims of like terror attacks, and yeah. there's a difference there. And it's just it's mind boggling to me how Orlando was a terror attack and how we're calling it like the largest like gun violence mass shooting, mass shooting yeah. in the United States. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and then that's and then somehow that becomes the discussion. Mm-hmm. Is it a terror attack or is it a hate crime? Is it a terror attack? How about mm-hmm. this? How about terror is hateful? We'll go, yeah. How about a terrorist who like here's some people I hate. Yeah. Like so. Are we whatever. allowed to like curse on this? Like yeah. Like oh, yeah. they're hateful yeah. assholes and so they do hateful things. So it's it's like but they are ter- terrorists. Like if you look up the definition of terror, that's exactly what they did. Yeah. So. 
That's wonderful. I, I thought that was, uh, it, it was, it was very funny. I tweeted a lot. I had a funny oh, little, so much fun. like, oh, Democrats sleep in, blah, blah, blah. But like, it really tears, terrifies me. It really does. Uh -huh. When people start legislating, uh, legis trying to pass legislation from these really, really emotional places. Well, and what's so mind boggling to me is John Lewis deserves like the utmost respect for the stuff that he did during the civil rights movement. Like mm -hmm. absolutely great, like American hero. I don't understand how you think that doing a sit-in, like civil rights era sit-in, to take away people's civil liberty is equal to like marching with Mark Martin Luther King. Like yeah. it doesn't add up from, and it's weird. I mean, but guys, like the ACLU and I are on the same side on this. <laughs> like that's like <laughs> the first time in my life, and maybe even the last time in my life, I'll be able to say that. It's always great when people can get along, and that's what that's what I like about that's what I like about this this whole event, this A whole Politicon. Politicon thing. So weirdest moment ever. This I love this. Weirdest this, the now, now, seriously, moment. Okay, this is a pet peeve of mine. Uh -huh. My wife does this all the time. She'll be like, "Oh my God, you won't believe You're what just." You're gonna think this is weird. I'm like, not exaggerating. Oh, you, there was a wasp in the car, <laughs> and it doesn't really like no. live up. Weirdest moment ever. I'm in the holding room up, upstairs, like after my panel earlier, and Ann Coulter walks in with her entourage, gives me a massive hug, like, because she knows me from my days at Hannity. And then five seconds later, Sally Cohn walks in and gives me a massive hug, also from my days at Hannity. <laughs> and so it's like, and I disagree with them both, like, so much on so many issues right now, but there's a level of, like, you know, you're human and you're friends and you've been through things together. And, like, I booked Sally for seven years on Sean's show. And yeah. I, you know, like, Sean actually was one of the first shows she was ever on. And then she started doing Fox News and then she got her contributorship and now she's at CNN as a contributor. And then obviously Anne has been in the movement. Like, I remember reading her books as a kid and all that stuff. But yeah. it's just so funny. It's like only at Politicon, like, do I get a bear hug from both of these people that are on opposite sides of the political You know spectrum. what I like about Hannity? When he has somebody from the left on, it's just not some uh, person who's there to take a dive. Right? It's just not some idiot like, it's my first day as a Democrat. So Tamara Holder is a friend of mine, and the woman's a freaking defense attorney. I mean, she's smart. Like, well, you she... want to cuss really bad, don't you? No, I you don't gotta... do that often. <laughs> but politics, well, it's fun because, like, terrestrial radio, I can't even say, like, I can't, I can't say a-hole. Which is weird. <laughs> Somebody just turned me out of here. In the back can, of the room, the guy's like, hey, get out of here. You can use the, the other name for a donkey, but you can't say. Oh, like, look at yeah. that. Yeah. Look at that. So, Actually, funny story. Ben Shapiro, um, when I was auditioning, used the word asinine, and, and the engineer dumped it. He dumped asinine? <laughs> yeah, because I don't think he knew what it meant. He didn't. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. That's a, that's a scary and world we live Harvard in. Harvard Law educated Ben Shapiro was like, are you kidding me? Like, dude, come on. Anyway. That's, that's it's all good. Andrew, you keep, you keep chomping at the bit like you've got something you've got to bring up. Well, no, I just wanted to take a minute and ask the big question on the other side, that we have had a lot of gun violence in this country, and we want to do something about it. But we have no idea what to do about it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. how do you feel about the fact that we're not even allowed to study any sort of gun violence in this country at the government level? Do you think that should change? Um, what, the studies? Yeah. The, I, right now, there's a law on the books that says the government, the National Institute of Health, mm -hmm. isn't even allowed to study gun violence. Well, I think that it would be, sure, the National Institute of Health should study gun violence, but more, I mean, it's blatantly... If you look at state and specifically city statistics, like here in L.A., where they're trying to cover up the homicide records, mm -hmm. um, you would see that the majority of gun violence is gang-related. And you're six times more likely to be 
killed by a kitchen knife than you are a weapon. Like a I gun. heard this as I throw a pen at you. I How heard this. dare you? R- right? Well, you know, Donald Trump said that's what Michelle Fields had. So now oh. you tried to kill me, and I need Corey Lewandowski to come <laughs> save me. I can me. sue. I heard that like more people are stabbed to death than are shot with a rifle. Mm-hmm. And then by far, more than being stabbed to death, they're beat to death with fists. Well, and the whole thing with the AR-15 as well is the AR-15 hasn't been used in, in most of the horrific mass shootings of, of the last 20 years. It's actually like a handgun. So then why not take away my Glock 19? Because I'm more likely to, you know, yeah. go shoot up somebody with that. But you, the I'm state a- of California, you know, tells me I also can't do that outside of my home. If someone comes on my property and, and has my child around the neck, I can't shoot them. But I have to wait for them to come into my house and do that. That's insane. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Last time I checked, murder was against the law. That was, the, that was the, that yep, was the title is. of uh, Also, of it's last a Ten Commandments, too. So, like, exactly. if you're not going to listen to God and you're not going to listen to federal government, I like... Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So did you want to get into the uh, Bible belt like that? Your Bible belt like that. Oklahoma. So um, you are a woman. (laughs) Hear her roar. Yes. I'm identifying as a woman today. Yes. Okay. That's good to know. (laughs) I identify whoever has the the, the smallest line to the bathroom. (laughs) When I go to a Dodger game and there's a bunch of dudes waiting in line, I am am Linda. (laughs) And I'm going into the ladies' room. (laughs) So we'll ask you and Linda. Okay. I'm I'm adorable. (laughs) When I'm Linda. <laughs> All right. So, Abigail Fisher, uh, what was going through her head, and could there be a more unfortunate symbol of white privilege? <laughs> Is this the girl who lost the the, yeah. the Supreme Court thing because yes. of affirmative action? Yes, she. See, won. I'm on the. Here's here. I'll See? tell you where I am right now. Affirmative action is inherently racist, and yeah. I think its days are in the rearview mirror. I, I love me some Condoleezza Rice, but she and I disagree on this. I, I think that, and I and I have friends that are liberal minority friends mm-hmm. that also say the same thing. Yep. I think you've seen here in California in the UC system, for example, yeah. that if you have an Asian minority and a black minority, mm-hmm. they actually will deduct points from the entrance exams and the applications of Asians just based on their name hmm. over yeah. people with African-sounding names. Freaking like that's crazy. That sounds racist to me. That's incredibly like, I, racist. I'm sorry. Like I, I mean, people think I'm a Jewish dude because my name's Elisha and it's spelled like Elisha from Bible. Like they think I'm a Jewish man and that's okay, fine. And apparently, Kraus is also like a very uh, Jewish surname. But mm-hmm. if someone were to look at my name and be like, "Oh well, they're Jewish, so you know maybe they had a leg up in the world, so we're gonna deduct her points from yeah. her application." That would be horrible. It's horrible. It's yeah. absolutely horrible. Let I want and as a woman, um, I, I'm kind. I call myself like a prosperity feminist. I want to be judged based on my merits and my talent and my ability, not just because I have a hoo-ha. And, How dare you? And like, I love the dynamic of our show be, because it is two guys versus a girl. But my bosses did that because they looked at the market and they're like, 50% of talk radio listeners are women. So why wouldn't we have a woman? So to make that decision from like a market perspective mm-hmm. or a talent perspective or a capability perspective, great. But not not just because, you know, I'm have that chromosome so so what do you say then to people who make the argument that well minorities tend to be in school districts that don't perform as well so they need a leg up i'm all for school choice it's interesting that the left uses that argument, but yet they're anti-voucher like, system, they're anti-homeschooling, and they're anti-charter like charter schools and private schools. So give them the school choice and give them that leg up and give them every single opportunity possible. I think another area that you have growing is there's a growing number in, in the next like 10 years. I've read a recent study that single mothers are going to be more in the white community than they are in the, in the minority communities, which previously oh, yeah? had been the case. So you're gonna, I think you're going to see where 
you're going to have more and more white kids that were raised in single mother homes and, you know, a woman trying to raise up kids and, and take care of them and all that stuff. She's going to need that help. She'd love that voucher program. I, I have three people near and dear to me. I talked about this in the pro-life panel earlier, a sister, a sister-in-law and a, and a first cousin who all had kids out, outside of wedlock. And, and each of those incredible women that are raising their children on their own would want the opportunity to send their kids to the absolute best school. So why don't we do that? And why don't we start there? And that levels the playing field, so to speak. Boom. See, now, when, when he and I do the podcast, and he'll be like, so, Mike, what do you think about da-da-da? I'm like, oh, let me think about that. And I'm all like, <laughs> but you're just like, do 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 like a Gatling gun. <laughs> just a Gatling gun. He's sweating that's, right that's now. That's very insensitive his, his to him. His stomach is roiling. It's very insensitive for you to, to compare I'm me to a Gatling gun. I'm just trying to keep it fun. If she wants to get into a play with me later about charter schools, <laughs> you and I can have that conversation. That's great. Well, like the, but this, this went all the way to the Supreme Court. Yeah. This oh, girl, yeah. because she's like, how and I think get... the Supreme Court made the wrong decision. Like it's. But I think a bunch of black kids and a bunch of other kids who got the same test scores as she did, they didn't get in either. So I, I'm like, I how actually, did it even get to I, the Supreme I Court? I actually have a friend who I don't know if y'all know or not. He's kind of infamous for those like ambush interviews. Jason Matera. I know Jason. And so Jason, I've known for like. Ever. He's right behind you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, knowing him, he might do that. Um, so Jason. When he went to college, I believe in Brooklyn, he's a Puerto Rican kid. And yeah. he actually like addressed and tried to address with the school how he thought affirmative action was wrong because mm-hmm. he saw qualified candidates. And then it's like, well, then you have to choose, well, which minority is more special? You know, and, and you have yeah. people, you have people, I was talking with a friend about this earlier, like you have people that are like, well, you know, African-Americans, they've lost their specialty clout because now we're going to focus on illegal immigrants, but solely from Mexico. And then, you know, in a couple of years, maybe, maybe we'll like pay attention to gay people. And then after that, maybe these people can be at the top of the totem pole and, and are like care factor. Like, how do you not feel like a total, like, like how, when, you're, when you when you equal, like, yeah, when you work for the federal equal. government and you're trying to figure out, well, this guy will give them more points because they're oppressed and we'll give this. Like, how do you not just go home and, like, not need the hottest shower ever? You got to feel just horribly racist. <laughs> like, you know what? The, the Chinese kids, we'll, we'll, get them, uh, we'll get them down the road. Did you read that, that report from this uh, professor? And I can't remember where he taught, but, like, reason number 5,999. He taught it racist so you. He was actually I'm sorry, saying, you racist. He was actually saying that it's unfair for um, children with two parents, like my husband and I. It's unfair for us to read to our two-and-a-half-year-old especially if it's every night because studies have shown that when parents read to their children how it improves like their memory their you know vocabulary all so of this it's unfair stuff. you're giving your I'm child giving her an unfair, unfair advantage up. by being married to my husband of almost seven years and then having her and then reading to her that's very funny it's like not fair to other children that's very funny and this guy was like really saying this for so real he was like legit saying it he was a professor somewhere oh my goodness yeah Alicia, I've got to have you back on the TV show. Yeah, it'd be tons of fun. Yeah. I think, like, we, my episode with you last time, it aired, like, during my birthday week. I know. That's how I worked it. <laughs> nice. I'm like, how can I say happy birthday to Alicia the It best was way? the big 3-0, so, you know. It was, the it, big 3-0? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm like a You're millennial doing quite still. well. Oh, thank you. I'm like, a I'm millennial. Like, I'm trying to think about where I was when I was 30. I'm pretty sure I was in a comedy club drunk. I'm, I'm still, like, at the, like... Alone. I'm still a millennial, so like advertisers and stuff kind of care about me, but I'm like on the older spectrum of millennials, so I'm not as cool as like the kids that are like 21 and all into Snapchat and stuff. What's in your? What do you? What do you listen to? What's the? What's the last song you downloaded? What's the last song you're like? I gotta oh, have like this. Adele's entire album. Actually, you mentioned Brexit, which we haven't gotten to talk about because sorry, we're like probably running out of time because I'm a massive talker. Um, you- but I tweeted the other day, like Adele, like. 
Britain's song to the EU right now is Adele's Send, Send My Love. You know that song like where she's like, to your new lover, hope you treat her better. I'm like, that's totally Britain's song to the why EU Why do you right think, then I'll, I'll ask you this, and then I got, I got one more guest I got to get to, but I want to know, why do you think they voted to exit? Why do you think they voted against it? I think a big thing is they didn't fall for the, oh, this is going to inhibit trade. Britain actually wants to do trade with countries like Australia and India and Japan, and they're being inhibited by doing that by the EU. So I think that's that, that's a big issue. Um, but I think maybe equally is you saw these horrific terror attacks in Brussels and Paris. Oh, I'm sorry, mass shootings in Brussels and Paris that were um, committed by Syrian refugees. And once they go to Brussels or Germany or France or any of these places, they can hop on the train and, and or yeah. hop on a plane and go over to, to England. And they're thinking, hmm, you know, we kind of want our borders back. We we want a little more national security here. Yeah. And the, so the Brits that I've talked to kind of said that it was those two things, that they're sick and tired of tell, having the EU of, with unelected officials telling them a sovereign nation what to do. It's got to be And I mean, they tough. gave it, what, 40 years? They've given it a long haul. Yeah, they, they gave it a try. And that's what I mean. Like, and like, like Obama did that with uh, Cuba. He's like, hey, we had this policy towards Cuba for a long time. Wasn't working out. We weren't seeing results. We're going to try something new. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. Yeah. It's like, hey, uh, war on poverty. We were trying this for a long time. Let's try something new. I totally agree with you. I don't think it's in the long term. It's not going to have the negative, the world is on fire effect that people think it will. Yeah, that was my tweet yesterday. Nice. As soon as my plane landed, I was like, I was, I've, been in the, I've been in the air for six hours, cut off from the world. I imagine that uh, England... Your plane didn't have Wi-Fi? What kind of an I didn't want to spend the oh, you don't money want to spend on the 9.95 on the like the three hour. I was too. I had my own in-flight entertainment. <laughs> there was a young couple from New Zealand. Oh, nice. Having a five and a half hour long fight next to me. Wait, it you should have was... tweeted it like that one lady, and then she went viral. <laughs> Remember that lady that tweeted the breakup? And oh, she like went yeah. super viral, yeah. and then apparently, then at the end of the flight, if they were like, drunk making out with if, each other. If this woman would have caught me tweeting about her, she oh. would have she would have had at it. No, no. She would have turned something into a boomerang. That's and a little more me. Aussie. Uh, it's as close as I can so, get. So I'm New in the Zealand, same area. I, of the I have globe. lots of friends that are Australian. Actually, the guy that married us is is from Perth, um, and like all of the women at my met- wedding would have married him if he wasn't already married, just because the accent. Um, but New Zealanders are called Kiwis, right? Yes. Okay, they're Kiwis. Okay. That's yeah. true. And they're Lord of the Ringers down there. That's oh, all they do. That's their number one. Well, you know, homeschool num- geek, L-O-T-R all the way. Boy, oh boy. That and C.S. Lewis, it's my jam. That's right. I knew <laughs> I liked you very much. Can, can you say something in Elvish before you go? Oh, no. I'm not that hardcore. Okay. If she was, that would be it. Yeah. That would have been it. If it had been like, I'd have been like, ah, I would have melted. I would have had a heart attack and died. <laughs> then I would be at Comic-Con and not How old were you when you read Lord of the Rings for the first time? Oh. I say for the first time because I imagine you read it more than once. I, th- I think like 10 or 11. Me too. Yeah, I was Me always too. a very good reader. And it is that very rare thing. It is that very rare thing. When I saw that movie, mm-hmm. it was exactly as I had always imagined. Yeah. It, it was crazy. Yeah. It, they did such a, I mean, such a good job. Yeah. 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 You start Star Wars? Yes. Yeah, me too. Okay, my Force parents, Awakens. My parents, so my late brother-in-law, who's amazing, God rest his soul, had a Rebel Alliance tattoo on his arm. That's hard. And my parents, in 1980, walked back up after they pronounced husband and wife, walked back up the aisle to the throne room song from, like, Princess Leia's coronation. <laughs> so my <laughs> entire <laughs> family, yeah. That's great. I, I've watched The Force Awakens probably three times. Yeah. And, you know, my husband was, like, not raised on that because he's... 
from Detroit. Like, I don't know, his family hey, living like, hey, I know they I'm have movie theaters. I've seen really? all the Star but, Wars so, movies. They don't like, have Star Wars in his, Detroit. That's his, how bad these Democrats are. <laughs> these liberal Democrats. Crimes. No more jobs. <laughs> um, they have but, gun violence but and no, no I think Star he, Wars. His, parent, his family was like more into like Magnum P.I. and like that kind oh, of like, yeah? I don't think they were like Star Wars people. So I really want to sit down and watch In Order obviously skipping the phantom menace and yeah. that horror show um like watch them with him and then like watch but i've seen the force awaken three times and i actually yeah. went opening night by myself i had a speech in palm beach florida and i texted my husband i was like can i go to the movie like without you because you haven't caught up yet and he's like just do it and oh, i was like man. in line in my t-shirt like ponytail like the night before my speech midnight showing that's great yeah. so he's in for a treat you yeah. got you're gonna watch yeah. all the movies back to back to back to back totally to back. we need to Here's a fun little thing uh, that I thought was fantastic. In the very first, in A New Hope, that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the episode four, the little Luke mm-hmm. Skywalker. Well, I guess, yeah, yeah, maybe we it should was wait. A, the first, uh, that's how I would watch them. So I, I should wait them. for him Yeah, I would do see. them in the order that they released. I would go yeah. uh, Luke Skywalker, A New Hope, Empire, yeah. and then blah, blah, blah. But if you look at the Millennium Falcon in A New Hope, there are uh, dice. There are uh, dice that he's got, like, hanging, like, from the rearview mirror, Han Solo. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. And it, I thought, oh, that's so cool. It's like a hot rod thing. Yeah. And they're not in Empire Strikes Back, and they're not in Return. And when they were going... Um, so it was like a mistake? I just think they forgot to put them in the other movies, because they, the, they tore the Millennium Falcon apart, and they had to rebuild it yeah. for the other movies. I think they forgot the dice. So they went to such great lengths uh, to recreate the Millennium Falcon from, like, 1977 yeah. or whatever... Yeah. In uh, The Force Awakens, uh, the dice came back. I love, and I'm like, see, that is snippet. attention to detail. Like, I love snippets like that. Me like, too. That's super cool. Oh, you and I would get along famously. That's all I am. <laughs> snippets, bar facts, and half-cooked theories. You should go on Jeopardy. I should. I feel like people with your personality and you're like, like, like not a jack-of-all-trades, but like you have a little bit of knowledge about everything, you could totally like win Jeopardy. I could. Uh, no. <laughs> I could maybe not make a fool of myself, but I'd, I would totally be guessing. And here's the other thing with, Je- with Jeopardy. It has to be in the form of a question. So couldn't you yeah. just, like, imply it? Could you go, is it the Wicked Witch of the West? I mean, couldn't you do that and still be technically right? I wonder why. Because remember that guy that had the right answer, but it wasn't in the form of the question, and he was about to, like, break all these records? And you just feel so – you're like, really, Alec? Really? See, <laughs> that's the name of the game. Like, can you really get mad? It's like that's the true. Only shit I, I'm definitely has. one of those people that's, for the rules. But that's that's heartbreak. Stance. It's like the person who has all the letters on <laughs> on Wheel of Fortune, and then they say it wrong, and you're like, oh lord. Okay, here's the thing on Wheel of Fortune: you start by buying the vowels, people. If you buy the vowels, then like everything else just comes together. But see, and, and this win is less money. Uh, this yeah. is why this is the best podcast that America. <laughs> Because we're going we're gonna to fix affirmative action. <laughs> we're going to give you school choice, and we're going to tell you how to win on Jeopardy. Hey. Who else Actually, is doing that shit? So bringing Shapiro into the conversation again, his dad was on Jeopardy once and, like, oh. got second place. And I think he opted for the free refrigerator over the vacation because they were, like, poor and needed the fridge. Oh, so, yeah. But his theory, and they, they've done this before, is, like, you actually want to kind of sound dumb when you go through the initial questioning with the producers. And then you get on with the dumber people, and then you win. Where if you are— uh, if you is, know, it, is it Mary Queen of Scots? Yeah. Like, if you 
know like all the answers, then you're put up against other people that are like then smarter than you. Then you do the big you. reveal when you're on TV. Ha ha, you fools. Yeah, and then you don't know what you're in for. They determine like how, who you go are on the stage with based on like how smart they think you are. Fun to know fact. Yeah. Mel Gibson's dad, mm-hmm. a big time Catholic, like Latin mass Catholic, and thought it was like the end of days. He won Jeopardy. Really? And won a boatload of money. And he took that money that he won on Jeopardy, and he took his whole family down to Australia because they thought it was just over. Like, the U.S. had gone so far. Well, he was that hardcore? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, so, yeah, he moved the whole family down to Australia. That's why Mel Gibson started down there. And then, so there you go. Mad Max. There you go. Oh, my Mad gosh. Max. My husband's well, obsessed with that movie. First one was The Road Warrior. Yes. 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 Oh, Mad Max. Yeah. No, it was the, was the first one. No, wasn't it the Road Warrior first? Road Warrior was the first one that was big, big time release. But there was a, an original movie called Mad Max, had Mel Gibson in it, but they didn't have his accent. They went back and they dubbed it. So every time he talks, it sounds like this. It's really horrible. <laughs> really? Yeah, and they show how his wife and kid got killed. Yeah. And the bad guy, the evil, uh, I don't even know why I'm telling this. It's like the bad guy, the gang member is Toe Cutter. That's the name of the bad guy who's out to kill him. Well, so, you know, you cut someone's toes, it is really horrible because then they can't walk. Yes, yeah. that is correct. That's... Unless they cut the pinky toe. And for that story, you'll have to watch my one-hour stand-up <laughs> special on Comedy Central. I love how we've just, we're just like we all have over devolved. the place. I got, I got, Alicia, thank you so thank much you. for being here. For T- please me. tell me you'll be on the show again. Yeah, absolutely. And not, not this show, the TV show. Is this one of those things where you're saying you want me on, but then your producers never follow up? Absolutely not. Or, okay. Absolutely not. You're amazing. <laughs> thank you. And I love hanging out. Out with you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Fun to be here. Yay! A round of applause. It's fantastic. This is live. This is fantastic. Ari, come on up. Ari, we got some time with you. We're gonna bring it. We're gonna bring things home with a young man by the name of Ari David, and we're gonna do some Michael Topias. We got some Michael Topias. I had a great one. Alicia said something so funny, and I thought, oh, I gotta use that as a Michael Topia. Ari, have a seat. Welcome to the Loftus Party, my friend. Michael, great, great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great. It's fantastic. You've been all over Politicon today. You, uh, what was the panel you already did? I was on the, comic, the uh, Cause Effect show with Carl Kozlowski. I was the token conservative on that panel. And then I was the token conservative on the Judd Dunning Conservatively Unplugged panel, which is called Conservatively Unplugged. But for some reason, they put me on with like six liberals. And now I'm here. So, <laughs> hello world. <laughs> we are, we are. We're... This, is, this is refreshing. I'm, I'm not like under assault here. <laughs> All right. So you've been sitting, you've been watching the, the podcast. We're going over the news. Uh, oh, Corin Lewandowski, Trump's guy. Did I say the name right? The risk grabber. Corey Lewandowski. Corey yeah. Lewandowski. He's already got a gig at CNN. Yeah. It probably fits for a Democrat, you know. <laughs> So oh, a Democrat oh. campaign, campaign, working for a Democrat, you know, lifelong Uh-oh, Democrat. Oh, here we go. Trump. Here we go. It, yeah, it's, I, you know, I'm disappointed. I thought he'd wind up uh, working at MSNBC on Morning Joe. But <laughs> well, that was, well that's, where, that's where Ted Cruz's guy uh, wound up. Uh, which one? It wasn't the guy from Ted Cruz's campaign. When Ted Cruz fired him, he went to MSN. Uh, I don't know. I don't watch these <laughs> things. I just say hateful things. I don't really Not watch. Not hateful, thoughtful. So Corin Lewandowski is a Democrat? Uh, I don't know what he is. Uh, he, <laughs> he beat a woman. He lied about it. He then trashed her. Sounds like OJ to me. 
He grabbed her elbow. He he denied touching her. Then he goes online and trashes her on Twitter and all over the media. Then a videotape emerges of him actually touching her. You can argue about the um, severity of the touch or what he meant by it. Yeah. But he did touch her. He did. He touched her. Yeah. That's jail time where I come from. Yeah. That's jail <laughs> Talk to me about Islam or something I like. To oh, well, I'm not going to get you started there. We will be, we'll be blown up by the time people finish downloading it. Second will Amendment. Go off. Second Amendment. What, do you th- what did you think of the... Uh, here's the deal. Uh, fun to know fact. When our country was uh, first getting fired up, right? The, the Boston Massacre. Mm-hmm. And those, those young British soldiers, they opened fire. A bunch of, a bunch of people died. Uh, and there was a lynch mob. Like, you got to kill those, you gotta kill those uh, English soldiers. you got to kill them. you got to get them, get them, get them. And John Adams, one of the founding fathers, said, hold on. If we're going to be a nation of laws, we have to be a nation of laws. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure these guys get a fair trial. Let's not do this while everybody is hot and just excited. And he took a lot of heat from the other guys because they wanted it like martyrs, blah, 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 blah. So John Adams defended those British soldiers in a court of law, and they uh, got off. They were found not guilty. They were in fear for their lives. People were throwing, like, like rocks and stuff at them, and they shot, and they, yeah. And they went back to England because we are a nation of laws. And it, and I, and it really, the Democratic sit-in, and it's like I was uh, saying with one of the previous guests, I, I can't remember who, but it's like when they, when they start going and like, we got to do something, we got to do something, like literally they haven't, like, we need a couple days to, like, uh, you know, catch our breath before you start talking about legislating more gun control. And it's always and, – and here's the other thing with, with me and gun control about this. I only hear about ways to keep guns away from law-abiding citizens. Like until, we, until, until somebody can propose, here's a way. I have figured out a way. This is what I want to hear some senator say. I have figured out a way to keep guns out of the hands of criminals. Uh, let's do that. Well, so why are you in opposition to having an additional three-day waiting period for anyone on the terror watch list? Because that terror watch list, that scares me. It really does. Anybody, I have friends that are on the no-fly list, and it was a total mistake. And all you have to do is accuse somebody of being a crime, and all of a sudden they don't have their Second Amendment rights. All of a sudden you wake up, you're like, you know what, I think I will. I'll go, I'll go buy a new handgun. Sorry, you can't. You, we think you're a terrorist. What? No, you have to accuse somebody. It's like getting to me. It's like well, getting a, a warrant. If 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 you if you want to listen to somebody's private phone uh, call, you have to get a warrant. You well, have to go to a judge. What What do you say to those people who make the argument? All right, let me open this to you as well. The people who say, "Well, isn't Trump's wall really the same thing?" It's like it's not going to really keep it away from the people who really want to come into this country. It's like we're just taking a second. We're going to take a step back. We're going to stop for. A well, moment. here's what I think about Trump's wall. Mm-hmm. And y- you let me know uh, what you think, too, Ari. I think Trump's wall is an entirely a metaphor. I think that it's not like if people think that Trump's going to build some giant, like, Great Wall of China and Mexico's going to pay for it. I got a bridge in Brooklyn I want to talk to you about. I think he's just ha- talking about having a, func- a border that functions mm-hmm. to keep people away. And I think that's what he's going to say, too, when uh, he realizes there's no way Mexico's going to pay for this giant wall. What are your thoughts? All right, David, you're on the hot seat. Uh, I think the biggest issue about basically anything Trump says is I'm all for it. The issue is does he really believe it? Is there any intent to follow through with it? And I think it's clear based on his past uh, record that he clearly has no intention on following through with most of these things. They're all 
pretty words for political expediency. If you notice the way politics always works in presidential elections, the Democrats generally do a head fake and convince the Republicans to run left of their values. Then mm -hmm. Democrats seize the high ground as run as conservatives. 2008, Obama runs as someone cutting waste, fraud, and abuse in government as the, and the guy who's going to shepherd through the economy to prosperity. In 2012, Obama runs as the national security hawk by saying Al-Qaeda is dead, GM is alive. Yeah. And he convinces Romney to not go after him strong with a assist from Candy Crowley in that second debate to really go after him on Benghazi. And in 2008, he convinced John McCain to essentially run as a socialist on the economy. What happens? Democrats usually win these things because they actually speak conservatism. Trump is speaking conservatism the way every Democrat before him speaks. But if elected, he probably has no intention to follow through with these things. Okay. So, so, um, so yes, the, the wall is a big head fake. It means Yeah, it means I, 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 I honestly think that they will start enforcing the laws that are already on the books. I've said it before on the flip side on the TV show. Like everybody's like, the immigration system's broken. The immigration First of all, everybody is uh, for immigration. I love immigration. You will never meet people who love this country more than who just, got, who just passed their citizenship test. It's fantastic. We have a very good immigration system. I'm against illegal immigration. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what I think his wall is. It's like we're, we will enforce the uh, immigration laws that are on the books. Sure, and can I address Andrew's idea of three extra waiting days? Yeah, well, please. who does that affect? That affects a woman who's been threatened. Let's just say her name is Nicole, and OJ says, I'm going to kill you tonight. Don't you want Nicole going, being able to go to Turner's Outdoorsman and buy a gun and have it on her tonight? Ooh, yeah. Isn't, and that, isn't you know, that the real victims of waiting periods? And there's already a 10-day waiting period in California. Women have already been raped and assaulted who felt in, in danger of their lives and were prevented from getting a gun immediately because of this waiting period. Criminals don't file for waiting periods in most cases. A criminal can acquire a gun right now, right off the street. The laws never apply to the criminals. It only applies to the victims. And if you look across America, where's the highest crime? Where the highest gun control is and where Democrats who are corrupt run the cities? Look at where the lowest crime is. Plano, Texas. It has a, the highest per capita gun ownership in America and has a murder rate that is infinitesimally small. It is statistically zero. And I think Plano we've done the experiment and that proves it. In Plano, Texas. Plano, Texas. They, they're a city so poor, they couldn't afford a fancy name. They had to go with Plano, Texas. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show. <laughs> I had to slip into some going. Okay, it is time for Ari. I love you, man. That, you're loaded, too. You and Alicia are just like, just like Gatling guns. I no, 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 no. I'm a, I'm a nuclear weapon fired from a, from a <laughs> submarine. And you know, so I, I, don't, I don't shoot individuals. I vaporize cities. I, I am a nuclear weapon fired from a submarine. Yeah, I destroy that is great. entire civilizations. Okay, all right. If, you, if you've got one of these, jump in. Here's how we always like to close out the show. We close it out with a segment called Michaeltopia. The world is crazy. The world doesn't make sense. But in my brain, uh, there's a place called Michaeltopia. And if we just change a few rules, it'll all make sense. Uh, and then you, you, you give your rule for Michaeltopia. Uh, um, for instance, in Michaeltopia, P 
people get along in real life like they get along at Politicon. Yes. You can talk to someone who completely disagrees with you and you who completely disagree with, and it's completely civil, and you have a good time, and you talk about issues. Yes. Right? It's like a little magic bubble of, uh, like, civil discourse. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, what I'm wondering is, like, uh, how far, how much distance do you have before we revert to just, like, hating one another? Right? You ever go to a Dodger game? Mm -hmm. Like, you go to a Dodger game, and it's, like, the most different, wonderful people all over. But you look around, it's like that ocean of blue, and, like, yeah, we're all Dodger fans. <laughs> and, like, no harm shall come to me. We're all Dodger fans. And then you get into the parking lot, and, like, you're in your car, and then you're like, that guy's probably going to beat me up. That guy's... <laughs> You might knife me. Like that Dodger fan effect kind of wears off the far that you get from the stadium. Oh, that, 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 that didn't paint the picture I wanted to paint. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Loftus Party. Thanks for being here, everybody. Uh, oh, my gosh. Special thanks to Ari for coming out, to Alicia and to John Favreau. Uh, he's a, I thought he was a much bigger, and he's already directed Iron Man and been an Obama speechwriter. And he thanks was in so Swingers. Much. And he was in Swingers. He was great. And uh, Rudy. He was great Rudy. <laughs> we'll see you next time.